Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 216, and today we'll be talking about Gemcation. I'm GC13. I'm Isabel. And I'm David. So this is this is the first and only, and I, I hesitate to use the word, appearance of Party Guy. <laughs> Who was he? Was he a Snursen agent, or what? The use of the name Party Guy and the fact that, you know, it makes sense for Amethyst to weirdly be asking Greg about a snake as a potential party guest and calling him Party Guy. But I don't understand why Pearl (laughs) also (laughs) seems to know that snakes are potentially party guests to be invited. It really does suggest there is a shared Snursen history on Earth that the gems are aware of that we're not. Mm. Every every time I see that part, I'm like, is this is this a joke that I'm missing or is it just funny because it's a total non sequitur? It really is a non sequitur. <laughs> I don't know what else they were going for there. I mean, forever a mystery. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's hilarious. I, I just, I want to need, I, I need to know all of the party guy lore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can uh, have a text conversation easily with Ronaldo because he's totally up for it. You just have to get us all the koala lore first. Yeah, I mean, koala lore has Mm -hmm. nothing on the depth of the party guy lore. I mean, there's something weird with snakes going on in Steven Universe between Ronaldo's Mm -hmm. theories and Steven's fear of them and, you know, and this. I don't know what the crew universe is. Weird, not quite obsession, but continuing threads on snakes is. But it's there. And it's strange. I've never trusted their lack of arms. I'm okay with snakes. But I think they're listed in, like, the top five of Americans' greatest fears. So, I understand. Mm. So, this is the... This is Stephen's primary girl problems episode. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Stephen, I I like the thread of exploring that, um, you know, there's a mismatch between what the Gems and Greg thinks is wrong and what Stephen's concerned about. I like Stephen's balanced not too melodramatic you know sadness with with he's really more depressed than melodramatic no right i'm saying he's not like he it avoids being melodramatic he really is you know genuinely bummed without um it being too silly oh woe is i you know none of that no uh crazily enough none of that uh they really did well to come back from space and have this really human moment. The way, you know, Lauren Zook's really good, what she does, and uh, the way that Steven's drawn in this episode, um, I think it's really special. His pupils are particularly small in a lot of shots um, (laughs) to match his sort of, like, freaked-out state, and it really weirdly communicates, even just uh, something as small as that communicates, uh, you know, to the viewer that, like, Steven's dealing with this weirdly more complex, maturing feeling. And I like that, again, the border between, is it romantic? Is it friendship is constantly teetering there with him just being 14. They really handled that well. I mean, I believe on the podcast they did mention that Stephen and Connie's relationship is potentially romantic, I think, right? Yeah. No, it it is. And yeah. then, you know, there was, I can't remember if it was, you know... Stuff gets mixed up for me between art book and podcast. But, you know, the Crooniverse sort of had a vision and Rebecca had a vision of their relationship being at first like platonic, but more so than platonic. Like 
the best friendship that you would have between like a boy and girl at that age. But obviously it's moved past there from like, you know, Stephen's birthday episode. And then here, like his... Oh, good grief, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, but but here his obsession with trying to get a text back, you know, goes a little bit beyond friendship, right? Um, And his genuine concern Mm -hmm. is interesting. But I was going to ask you guys how you felt about, you know, when Greg finally confronts him and Stephen admits that he's a little embroidered or embarrassed (laughs) or (laughs) whatever. But, um, you know, he says that he's just afraid of the gems and, and, and Greg's reaction to him having been, you know, he felt like rude, harsh, inappropriate to Connie. Does that match up with what Steven is? Or is he really just more embarrassed that the gems and Greg think that he likes Connie, like in a romantic way? Steven never struck me as the kind of person to have a social anxiety. But if he was going to manifest one, this this would be a strong enough time to do it. You know, I mean, you know, his his relationship with Connie is super important to him. So if he's going to any anytime that relationship comes into play, I, I guess he can be socially anxious without having a social anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, again, I just think that they portrayed that line really well with his constant, you know, as Amethyst tries to ask him what's going on, <laughs> as Pearl tries to ask him what's going on. Uh-huh. I really like how they manage how Steven... Like, the gem's approaches are different, but Steven's distractedness is basically the same. I really like when Pearl, you know, comes out and the, you know, her piano themes are playing. And she's, like, struggling Mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Streven is struggling to break because he's just about ready to admit uh, what his real problem is. I really like the dichotomy between that. Yeah, Pearl, best mom. Not that Amethyst try was bad by any measure. No. <laughs> it's just how she... Okay, well, she she didn't have a whole lot of gas. She's like, eh, whatever. I mean, when he finally puts the phone away, she doesn't press the attack. She's just, eh. Yeah, I don't think Amethyst is really good at, um, <laughs> you know, trying to push to get to those emotions. She's much better at just hanging out and providing a fun time. Of course, this is like one example of that. And of course, later on in the show we actually get her you know what's your problem yeah trying to sit down with steven <laughs> over and just pizza. ignore problems <laughs> you know but she she's worked on you know this is part of that development of her working on talking to steven i thought the weirdly you know the most out of character garnet uh, not so much in the hot tub scene that sounds really interesting but not the hot <laughs> tub scene but the uh when when they're first telling steven about going on vacation did you think it was out of character for her to be reading her, like, directions for what she was per- supposed to do? Like, turn to Stephen, say, comment? Like, it was really reminiscent of when, like, Patrick Starr was trying to get Spongebob to stop living with the jellyfish. And he's, like, reading off a piece of paper trying to eat a Krabby Patty. But, like, that fits for a character like Patrick. I, don't, I feel like we haven't seen Garnet like that before. I mean... I don't know, because usually she's a lot more in control than that, so it is kind of weird. Although, you talking about the hot tub scene, I think... I, I don't know. She she says she's sure what Steven's problem is, but she hasn't used her future vision to verify that, or maybe she has looked into possible futures where that actually was his problem. Because she admits later on in pool hopping that she really doesn't understand how to look into his future anymore. Right. I mean, okay. she she's purely focused on the experience he had in space, just like the rest of them. So that makes sense. But I just thought it was weird for her to 
I didn't see that. You know, Ruby or Sapphire can be kind of awkward in social interaction sometimes, but... And then you put two socially awkward people together, and they're having a, a really difficult time. I mean, it, it fits in with the kind of garnet we've seen when, like, they all drew pictures. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Right? And they all, like, tried to present how Aquamarine looked, and Garnet's just like, I like me, and drew Garnet. Like, that's the kind of sillier, weirder Garnet. I mean, I think they've tried to display Garnet as kind of just weird... And a little out there sometimes, but I don't know. It just came off strangely to me. Maybe maybe they could try an episode where she talks entirely through puppets. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many more stories she has left to tell to Steven. I did like how she here tried to get into, obviously, the story of the past. And then, you know, all of the silhouettes sort of like put on a confused and sad face when Steven... <laughs> Is like, yeah, 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 Pink Diamond. That, God. that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, and, and of course, we now know there there was the, the big question back when the episode first aired. Why can't Pearl talk? I, I guess she was uh-huh. trying to spill the beans about, Stephen, your mother didn't do it. She faked her shattering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that introduction here, I mean, some people have tried to go back farther and say maybe Pearl was covering her mouth you know in the moon base there's really not any other examples there have been a couple times where she was covering mm-hmm. her mouth when her telling Stephen the truth would have been helpful in the water in I am my mom was another time that's true although it still kind of mm-hmm. felt like she looked horrified more than uh like this is the first explicit example we can see that she's trying to say something and she's weirdly not able to she is fighting it so hard yeah i think that you know steven universe sets up like a lot of things in advance i find it interesting that they put this one later in because even though we don't need it from like a plot standpoint like the reason pearl hasn't been able to talk justifies why the gems and nobody else knows about this like it was purely between pearl and you know pink diamond and so that's why nobody knows so that helps explain that plot reason but as far as like her attempting to talk to Steven, I think it would have been cool. You know, I wonder when they decided that this would be a fact. They knew about Pink Diamond and Rose from the beginning of writing the show, but I wonder if they really knew about this aspect until later. Because having Pearl at least try to talk to Steven earlier on and making it more subtle would have been cool. I feel like the ways we saw it, if it was intended to be that, were way too subtle to... Like, fans weren't... This episode made fans think, hey, what's going on with Pearl? Why can't she talk? None of the other episodes made us think that. And that would have been another cool thread to have had going. Although, maybe we don't need threads in, any more extra threads in Steven Universe that last for five seasons. But <laughs> I mean, there's already enough. Is this foreshadowing that, you know, the fact that they didn't toss in any more foreshadowing? I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> so another part of this, too, is that when Pearl... Uh, you know, tries to confront Stephen. And and the same with Garnet, we see it more, that Stephen's dismissive of the Pink Diamond situation. We've seen Stephen be deeply affected by Rose in in the past, right? Like in Mindful Mm -hmm. Education, we see that. Yeah, in other episodes, he cares very deeply about the Pink Diamond situation. So the fact that he's so, I mean, that Connie overshadows that so completely is a little weird. Best friends, right? (laughs) Right, it speaks volumes to their relationship. 
And at the same time, not discrediting that relationship, I also think it speaks to how Steven's been kind of since this episode, where a lot of this stuff has been pushed down. And I think that, you know, even though we've had to watch episodes with Steven getting really, you know, a lot of pent up feelings about his mom out, there's still more, right? Since this Pink Diamond revelation, we haven't had an episode like Mindful Education where we see Steven's almost hallucinations of, you know, (laughs) all the things that he regrets, including his mom or the Rose's Room episode Storm in in the Room. Uh, you know, where he directly talks to her. Mm-hmm. Like, now he has something really big to deal with. <laughs> Even in Reunited, they were just, okay, guys, we, we know the truth. Now let's never speak of it again. And that seemed to be the coping strategy they had decided on. Thankfully, Yellow and Blue showed up to kind of talk some sense into them, which was really the only... I, I still wish that they'd been there to officiate the wedding. That would have been the best. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like the musical number of that episode, right? Steven's like you know, kind of says, I'm past it, or at least, let's just forget about it for today. But it's not still Garnet's wedding. So how will, you know, we saw every other gem react throughout that little arc um, before you're united, but we didn't see Steven. And I don't know if that's going to come out with the White Diamond stuff. I don't know how that needs to manifest itself again. I mean, they already had Steven literally talk to, like, a shadow of his mom. but. Are they going to push it to where he actually talks to his mom in a bubbled state? You know, is he going to get poofed? I mean, I'm all for Rose never coming back in the show because that would just be totally crazy. But I can imagine that he could have a conversation with her in the gym. I don't know if we need something before that or if that's kind of like the ultimate way for Steven to deal with this. But I feel like it's coming. Okay. I don't know about that, but calling Steven and Connie, you know, just best friends, you know, is a joke. You know, we were talking about how obviously his concern for the relationship is pointing at his attraction to her being much more romantic, even if he doesn't realize it. I'm just thinking of Lars of the Stars, where, oh, you know, Sadie would never do anything to hurt you and you would never do anything to hurt her because you're best friends! And, you know, <laughs> Steven and Connie fuse and it's like, not even... Not even Stephen and Connie realize that they love each other at this point. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a thing that's long coming, too, where will the show actually, you know, they're kids, but hey, Stephen is 14, Connie's 12 and a half. Is that a part of the sh- show that the Crewniverse cares about, where, you know, maybe without it being too straightforward, like, pronouncing love, I mean, that's like, it's a common theme in a lot of kids' show, though. Like, even just look at something like, uh, Hey Arnold, right? <laughs> they could do a they could do a homeworld gem inspired Romeo and Juliet play with Jamie, where Stephen and Connie play Romeo and Juliet, except they're gems. They could be Ruby and Sapphire. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't think we need Romeo and Juliet playing out uh, with uh, no. <laughs> you know <laughs> Stephen and Connie. Like, uh-uh. I don't need any dramatic deaths um but <laughs> it would only be a play jb would be supervising the whole time he knows he knows his stagecraft <laughs> uh you know we'll see we'll see where their relationship goes but i am interested to see what their not their end game is but what do they care about we've already seen that they care about showing two kids with a deep relationship 
And it's not just like same sex. It's like, you know, Stephen and Connie powerhouse. And then also they've really dealt with like what it means for them to be, uh, you know, fusing. You know, they've taken different, you know, steps in that and even sort of kind of dealt with a gender fluid experience as well. But but now do they care about actually the romantic angle of it more? Uh, Again, based on like whatever art book or podcast reading it was. Their initial intention was for their relationship to be sort of young and pure, mm-hmm. kind of meaning not too tangled up with romantic. But I feel like it can't just stay, you know, quote, pure forever. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just thinking of Kiki's Pizza Delivery Service with the, you haven't anybody cued over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Stephen can't, well, and Connie can't push it off forever. I would imagine that, you know, just because of the show, Connie would be the one to push it first. But, you know, they've been foreshadowing it for a while. Just look at, like, you know, Connie's book series with Artemis getting married to a Archimicorous, bird. Archimicorous. Yeah. you know. It's the whole package. So, like, one interesting tidbit in this episode, I think, if you pause at, like, 3 minutes, 26 seconds, there, you know, when you're reading Ronaldo's text, there's, like, one section that wasn't read. I mean, it wasn't spoken, but you, if you pause you read and here i have the quote right here says is the way we interpret media consumption a projection of self compared to the intended delivery of the writers (laughs) so i'm like some kind of meta stuff going on there like yeah i love stuff like that um (laughs) i think that's really great execution too the fact that every other text had been read and then it's like he just has this huge paragraph and uh you know ronaldo gets surprisingly deep yeah I mean, this this is the Koalor. I think he's deeply committed. This might be one of the qualities that his, well, former girlfriend uh, may have found. I'm pretty the, the sure The one attractive up. quality <laughs> of Ronald. <laughs> they better have made up. There, there better be an episode where they're together. Just, just in the background. That's all I need. I feel like that's the one thing that fans can look at and say, maybe Ronaldo is a redeemable character. If uh, someone is willing to, if the movie, if the movie theater girl likes him, then anyone can. I mean, she seems cool. We don't know much about her, but that would be crazy if she was actually revealed to have like the same personality as Ronaldo, and we just (laughs) haven't seen it yet. Uh, she she could be his deranged stalker from the, you know, when Jamie threw the bail into the water and on Keep Beach City Weird, the the, the blog. Yeah. He received the, the letter and he, he doesn't know if he should be scared or not because he can't read all of the words. <laughs> yeah. If people were wondering, was that Jane? These are the questions we need answers to. That would be a pretty crazy direction to go. Oh, so did did anyone have any more thoughts about Jim Cation? I don't know. I guess the fact that, like, Stephen really didn't know the whole time that while he was out in the cabin, there was no cell phone service. <laughs> like. Really? For like a day? He was super distracted. Like, normally messages say they aren't sent, so. Yeah, and yeah. and like the fact that he needs four bars to get cell service, <laughs> I don't think it works like that. He needed 4G, that's like what it suddenly declared. Yeah, I mean, you know, text messages famously require large amounts of bandwidth to send and receive. <laughs> right. I, I don't know, uh... It's also weird just the way he was, like, tracking the signal strength to drive Greg almost off a cliff. 
I mean, that's like, Stephen, you, you have four bars. It's not like you have, you know, 100.00 all the way down to zero. You can't really just hold it around and say, okay, I'm this far away from the source. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird, but I did enjoy just him actually having a little moment with the gems. And also when they did finally get to that mount, well, cliffside, not mountaintop. I feel like this is one of the last times we saw them all in this state, like, this kind of episode, even just having this human lesson and having the gems and Greg and Steven are like key players in this in this show interacting. We really haven't had that since unless I mean, reunited kind of is all the characters together. But in the more plot heavy sense of, of dealing with a common yeah. enemy, you know, here, just like seeing them hang out makes me nostalgic for the old times where they always used to hang out. I mean, I think really Stephen should have just gone to Greg in the first place. I mean, if if his concern is that he would hate Stephen for him making Connie mad, I I mean, you know, Greg's had his heart broken and he's broken hearts. You know, he's he's not going to judge. Stephen should know that. But again, Connie just brings out that social anxiety in him, I guess. (laughs) Just can't fight it. Yeah. We can't go too hard on Steven, I guess. No, I mean, yeah. this is his first time dealing with all this, so it's fine. <laughs> Although, <laughs> I do like that Um, I didn't realize until, like, I was, like, halfway through this episode, watching it for whatever this is now, the fourth time I've seen it, I kind of forgot that the Crooniverse got away with proposing vacationing as a solution for, like, Steven's problems. Like, a second time, and no one <laughs> cared. Like, we already went to a motel to try to, like, help Steven, and it ended up being With distracted the relationship problem. Right, and it was a relationship problem, that's so true. So, I feel like they cheated in just repeating that. Yeah, two people had that they'd made each other mad, and yeah, going on the going on the vacation kind of, kind of, at least catalyzes the, the acceptance. Yeah, so, you know, they did mix it up. They threw a snake in there. They made the venue a little different, but... Oh, I, I loved the I, I loved the stipulations in that contract. Like, <laughs> you can't use any of this stuff. Yeah. Pearl throwing the shoes is cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta remove the shoes from the premises. I think, though, that at least Keystone Motel, you know, even based on the title name, really took advantage more of where it was located to be relevant to the plot. Here, them being out in the middle of nowhere only applies to Steven's texting, which is, like, fine. But there's not really much else we do at the cabin except to be able to hang out outside, which I thought was an interesting choice. It's interesting to be able to go back and look at Keystone Motel and go, look at how Ruby used the pool. Look at, like, <laughs> like the experience of being at a motel was really, like, heightened. The idea that Greg yeah. might have gotten murdered by, like, an online... <laughs> merchant and just like the bed checking for bed bugs and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean we we only got to see that one shot inside the house yeah i mean it's interesting when you choose to use your environment or not or like why so i get it the main reason they go out there is to have steven be texting connie to no avail i like though that also it was no avail anyway because the wombats were for naught yeah so guys, that's been us on Gemcation, finally getting its solo episode. Join us next week, where we'll be talking about the fourth issue of the Harmony miniseries. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Isabel. And I'm David. 
Uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.